You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Truba, right wing, trying to wind into the slot. Lost the puck, comes back to Keandre Miller. High slot, he scores! Quick wrist shot by Keandre Miller beats Archer Silov's glove side, and it's 5-3 Rangers. I wasn't really nervous. I was, like, excited. So, excited to play, you know. He battled. Yeah, tough spot, but he battled. That's what you want from uh, young goalies. What's a battle? Good morning, Vancouver. 6 o'clock on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the beautiful Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Laughing so hard. I I just can imagine someone in the Canucks dressing room asking McTuckett, what's a battle? I have a question. Rutherford's like, did that kid just say, what's a battle? <laughs> <laughs> no, he said, what's that rattle? It's the heating ducts. <laughs> oh, all right. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're off to a flying start here at the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I said good morning to Jason. He was laughing uncontrollably. I now say good morning to you, a dog. Good morning. And good morning to you, laddie. You broke Jason right off the bat. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. They know what a battle is. They're out there every day in the footwear world doing it. Jason, tell them more about Kintech. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, what's a studio? Yeah. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big what's sh- a battle? Hey, what is a battle? Did Oliver Eckman Larson just say, What's a battle? <laughs> <laughs> He's hurt. It's not his fault. <laughs> got, got hurt badly. Um, we, got a big, we got a big show ahead. On the Halford and Bruff. They are going back to school uh, on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Guest list begins at 7 o'clock. Shai Davidi is going to join us for a little Jays talk. Jays are in Dunedin ahead of the start of uh, training camp preseason, all that. Uh, did you, I forgot that the World Baseball Classic is coming up. <laughs> so did I, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You know who didn't? Shai Davidi. You also forgot it's called it. spring training. Not spring training. training. Yeah, I knew that part. Mm. Uh, Shai is going to join us. We got to go. There's new rules in baseball. It's a, it's a new baseball season, so they need a new litany of rules. They got jumbo bases now. Right. Big, gigantic bases. I, I don't think they're as jumbo as you think they are. Thrice the size of the old ones. Big jumbo bases with yeah, lights on you can on actually them. just like step from one to the other now. You they're that, like, that big. They're trampoline bases, actually. Uh, so <laughs> Shai's going to... They're really making baseball fun. Boing. Shai's going to join us at 7 o'clock to talk about jumbo bases, the Toronto Blue Jays, the World Baseball Classic. We're doing baseball talk. Laddie's fired up for it. 7.30, Brennan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. You heard him on the call last night. As the Canucks uh, dropped another game where they allowed six goals, but they scored four this time, 6-4 to the New York Rangers. That's at 7.30, 8 o'clock. It's Frank Saravalli, uh, Daily Faceoff's very own, our NHL insider. Uh, we'll get all the latest news, notes, and trade rumblings from around the NHL with Frank. Finally, what's happening today? Andy won. What day is it today? Today is Thursday, I've It's confirmed. Thursday, good sir. What, is it, what does it mean Today, we're giving away a pair of Canucks tickets to Saturday's game versus Philly. You know the drill. Text in your what we learns. Hashtag WWL. Ticket emoji. Praise me. You might win. Uh, that's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? Canucks lose, Canucks lose yet again, and surrender five-plus goals yet again. Does this feel like the Boudreaux era? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, two goals and an assist each, and the Canucks lose 6-4 in Artur Silov's NHL debut. It was not an arty party last night, although he only allowed five of the six goals. Canucks lose yet again. Uh, for the Tankists, it was entertaining. And it was a regulation loss in the end, so I suppose there was a silver lining. But at the end of the day, Jason, uh, the Canucks yet again surrender a whole bunch of goals. This time on home ice. So I don't know if this officially happened last night, but I'm now looking at the goals against for the Canucks, and they are above four in goals against levels. That is some 1980s stuff. Out of for all those people that, you know, the young kids, it was like, well, what was the 80s like? Yep. This is it. 
The team isn't very good. They're, they're awful defensively. Food didn't I mean, cost We could much. sit there and just be like, I don't know, is um, Sheldon Dries. I don't know. Who, who's like Petri Skrico? Who's Tony Tanti? Sure. Who's Patrick Sundstrom? Like, I don't know who the Sheldon Dries would be. I can't remember the – Can't go that far down the depth the, chart. The depth chart of those teams. But, like, the, the, it is crazy how many goals – the Canucks are conceding. Mm-hmm. Y- yes, the NHL has has more scoring now. That has not stopped the Boston Bruins from having a goals against average of 2.11. So essentially, the Canucks are giving up twice as many goals as the Boston Bruins mm-hmm. on it- a nightly basis. And it's not even worth having the argument of, Wow, no goalie could make any saves, you know, with with the defensive environment in in, in front of them, or you know, the the defensive environment is bad. But I mean, this goaltending is is awful. Like you're both right in that imaginary argument I had. Like yes, yes to you. Yep. The well, only person I would argue with is someone who would say, you know, it's not that bad defensively. That would be wrong. That'd be that would be that would be crazy and 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 delusional. But there are so many reasons why the Canucks are uh, bad defensively. And unless Thatcher Demko, like unless Thatcher Demko returns to the form that he showed last season, and that is like God mode. Yeah, he was making miracle save after miracle save. I don't know how they're going to turn it around. I really don't. In well, order yeah. to be in order to be a good team in a couple of years, because you've either got to teach these guys how to play defense which I think you can in the NHL you can allow pointers like hey why don't you try this but in the NHL if you're sitting there teaching guys like you know like basic defensive zone coverage mm-hmm. like you're gonna have a real tough time uh, I think if, if if you're looking at um if you're looking at Rick Tockett to solve everything with just more structure like, yeah, it's going to help. Hopefully that's part of the solution. I think it's needed, but most of the work is if they're going to turn this around in the next year or two, their words, not mine, um, this is going to require massive personnel changes and not only changing out personnel, but bringing in the right players. Yeah, I think if there's a silver lining to what talk it's trying to do in this vacuum and in this environment, it's that some of the guys that are going to emerge from this are going to realize that they have to play airtight hockey, or maybe they'll just realize and it'll just be a knock-on effect that, <clears throat> remember when we had to play almost perfect mistake-free hockey because our defense and goaltending were so bad? Like, maybe some of that seeps into their game. For example, last night, uh, Thomas Drance in the post-game presser media availability with Tockett astutely pointed out that it might be difficult to try and implement some of the defensive structure and reads and zone pickups when you're just not getting even NHL average goaltending, right? Like, it's almost to the point where you kind of worry about guys being so afraid of making a mistake because of the end up in the Mm -hmm. back of the net. But that doesn't seem to be a problem yet because they're still scoring a lot of goals. We'll play the audio in a sec. Well, it's also hard to judge the Canucks sometimes when um, the goals change the momentum of a game. They do. When we talk about score effects. So, analytically, people have been talking about Things are looking better for the Canucks defensively. But then you look at the so many games that they've been trailing in, oftentimes because of goaltending, but also because of defensive breakdowns that are still occurring. The other team is going to take their foot off the gas, right? So the Canucks really haven't been tested all that much with a lead. No. Right? So let's see how the analytics look then. Mm-hmm. the defensive analytics, because other teams will be like, hey, guys, we need some goals here. And I'm not talking about versus Chicago or Columbus. And I think those games probably juice the, the whatever you're reading at natural statric as well. I think, and I stand by the fact that there seems to be a different feel to the way the Canucks are playing. I think they're playing a little less uh, risky. But there are still these mistakes that they make that I don't know if the coach can fix because it's more about what kind of player you are. Are you <laughs> good enough yeah. to do what it takes to be a good NHL team? Not just play defensively responsible. 
the good players play defensively responsible, but they're also able to do, you know, push the puck and be offensive. Like they don't have to completely change their games in order to be defensively responsible. So on that note, uh, here now is the head coach, Rick Tockett from last night, when he was asked the question, do the Canucks make it too hard on their own goalies? Here's what Tockett had to say. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we, we you know, the way, the way we are built, we can't have turnovers, you know, and, you know, PD, he can't turn pucks over and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, Millsy and Husey, those guys got to, you know, and I think they've done a nice job, um, but they have to continue to, to play a style until we get some people back um, and play a more north-south style. I mean, you know, we can't get in shootouts and obviously we're getting shootouts right now and we just got to weather the storm. You know, just keep keep chipping away. By the way, he does not mean shootouts as in we got through overtime and now we're going to a shootout. He means games in which there are 10-plus goals, and that's almost every night for the Vancouver Canucks. How many north-south players do the Canucks have up front? Uh, they want Pod Colson to be one, and mm-hmm. I think he fits the profile. Yep, I think so, too. Um, some of the fourth-line guys. they Giuseppe. Yeah, I've liked what he's brought. Yep. But he's not the answer. I mean, I don't. I don't want him in the top six. I, I don't know if he's gonna the, be on the. I don't know if he's gonna be on the team next year. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's, he's but a, I do. But I do like guy. him, and I actually was a little bit surprised that he didn't get an opportunity with the team earlier. But I'm not going to sit here and have a massive debate about Phil because he's not a difference maker. But but how many guys do they have that are north south players? Dakota Joshua, pretty straight line player. Any high end, any high end north south players? Uh, no, I mean Pod Colson's kind of the mm-hmm. the bar, really. If you're looking at it, and you're at, but the thing is, he has to grow into the role. Yeah, it's not like he got plopped into it, and he's like, "Wow, he's fantastic at this." There's a potential to be that guy. Like I don't know about you guys, but Anthony Beauvillier to me is just like we've seen wingers like him come through. Anthony Beauvillier can be if he's a if he's on your third line, then you're a good team. If it's anything higher, then you're probably not. That's how I would classify him right now. He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. Yeah, but I'm just talking about a mix of players. Like, we've already got a bunch of Anthony Beauvilliers here. Yeah, he's a winger. You can see he's got a bit of talent. Maybe put the puck in the net once in a while. He's can fat, he kill, yeah. Does he kill penalties? No, nah, he doesn't really do that. He's, he's not the <laughs> – you know? but, yeah, he's he's almost irrelevant to the conversation because – Well, he's not irrelevant because the Canucks have a lot of players like him, and they're going to have to switch that mix out. Right, but he is – he's to me, seems like he is more um, – it's more easy to move around both in the lineup and then move him out because he's not on this really like bloated overpriced ticket and it expires in a year anyway. I mean, the, so he's, the, he's overpriced. Sorry? He's overpriced. Not compared to some of the other guys. <laughs> he's still overpriced. He's For still the part of the problem. By the Canucks standards? I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, you know, I think a lot of people when they heard Beauvilliers, you know, the scouting report on him or what people said, you know, I think even the Canucks were like, he's a puck hunter. Like, he'll, he'll get after the puck. I'm like, oh, yeah, when's that going to start? Okay, yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, we, we differ in opinion on this. I don't. I think he's almost like irrelevant to the conversation because okay. he's played five games. the The bigger story would be. I'm not. It's too early to get into a fight about Anthony Bobilia. Yeah, so. like neither of us are that much invested in it. But to your uh, overarching point, all of the characteristics that Talkit wants to see, and by now, like Sat and Bick were having a good time on the post game show about the Talkit vocabulary and the Talkit dictionary, and uh, North South is moved to the forefront. It's mm-hmm. a very preeminent one. Uh, he's talked about uh, predictability, talked about structure, all these sorts of guts things. Guts of the ice. I guts like of that the ice one. is a Protect good one. the guts of the ice. Yep. Um, all of them. What do you think if the Canucks were, if the, like if, if the defensive zone um, was a body, okay. you know, that had guts in it, mm-hmm. what do you think it would look like? Uh, I'm trying to. Just slashed apart. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a horror movie. <laughs> the, the Canucks, the guts, guts of the everywhere. Canucks ice are, are everywhere. Remember that scene in Alien? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the, supposed at to the be dinner the table. They're not in the middle. <laughs> that happens every night. Yeah. The amount of pretty passing. Oh, no, not again. Yeah. The, the amount of pretty, pretty passing plays that other teams make against the Canucks is just astounding. Yeah. It must be so much fun to play, though. They do slice and dice the guts pretty good. Like Pan- that I think about P- it. Panarin and, and Zibanejad and, and types of players, like actually East-West players playing the Vancouver Canucks yes. have, a, have a blast, right? And there's always this one-timer available for, for good shooters, and it's like a wide-open net. And you're like, well, maybe you can make a miracle save. Nope. Ducks team and are like, wow, it's a nice pass. Look at that. Yeah, totally. we, I do. I'm like, wow, that is some nice passing. Yeah. And, and I think the difference last night 
um, in how the good teams play and how the Canucks play was personified by the fact that it was a really nice individual play that Kuzmenko had that was the highlight of the game, right? Yeah, he, was it, good. he was good. No, 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 but like it's not necessarily a good thing because you're sitting there going, wow, that was a really nice play, but it was mostly about what he did. Yeah, Connor Garland finished it off, but it was the individual play. He was skating backwards for like five seconds, okay, stick handling. You're missing my point awesome. here. The other teams, when they play the Vancouver Canucks, have these really pretty passing plays, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, what a team. How many passes was that? Four or five? And then it's in the back of the net. With the Canucks, it's it's, it's almost like individual efforts, individual efforts yeah. mm-hmm. rule the day more than team play. Yeah. Is I, that fair? Or I think that's a fair assessment of how the team is currently constructed. And I think part of it is something that Talk is looking at and saying, okay, we've got some good guys that are good individual skill guys. They're maybe the East-West guys. Let's try and pair them with more direct, simple players, and they don't have them. Exactly. Right? That, I mean, that's the great point. That's what Talkit wants, and that's what they need more of because mm-hmm. if you have all these East-West players making passes to each other along, outside the perimeter of the of the guts of the ice, then I don't know how much success you're going to have. Yeah, like Talkit wants, uh, <laughs> Talk wants a dramatically different style than what the, the Canucks currently have. It's probably the best way to put it is he looks at it and he's like, there's so many things here that I can teach, but I don't have the guys that are capable or willing to learn it or execute it. Right. And, that, and that's really what it comes down to. And that's why you've got, again, we hearken back to what these guys have said. That's why Rutherford said it needed major surgery. And that's why Alvin said that this isn't going to be an easy fix when Taka took the job because personnel really matters. I mean, look at what is going on right now. They are um, historically bad in terms of conceding goals. They have one of the worst penalty kills in the modern era. Right now, they are up to, I think it's 224 goals allowed. The only team in the NHL that has allowed more is the Anaheim Ducks. And the Anaheim Ducks, uh, in part, did it because they allowed seven last night to Buffalo. That got them back in, in the lead. Good for them. But that, that's where we're, where we're at with the Canucks right now. Now I'd, I'd have to go back on hockey reference and look at the franchise history because I'm sure there were some really egregious goals allowed totals in the 80s collectively oh, yeah. as a team yeah, by the Canucks right but <laughs> right but right right now they are 55 54 games into one I can't believe I'm saying this out loud one of the worst defensive seasons in franchise history full stop yeah they are this is this is horrifically bad by NHL standards I I sometimes I actually take a pause and I'm like Tockett's been here for nine games. They've allowed 41 goals over those nine games. They've allowed six three times Mm -hmm. and five three times. I felt bad because last night Tockett's like, we we played pretty hard. We battled. We were in there. We scored four goals against a good team. And they still lost. They need a minimum of five goals every night just to get to overtime. Has any team made its coach cry twice in a season? Like different coaches? Like one cries. Bruce Boudreaux was crying. And then, yeah. then they bring in another one. And, and he cries as well. Has that happened before? Because uh, I, I don't think it has. Because I don't, I don't know if it, a team has ever made one coach cry. I think we got to max out at one. When it gets to two, it's like, what's happening right I, now? I want to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line if you have any questions or comments. Text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. Troy, the bread guy, texts in, isn't this what everyone wants? An unwatchable team hoping for an 85% chance to not draft Bedard. Yeah, Um, like... I I know, hold on a sec, I know Team Team Tank is happy right now. I don't want the Canucks to win. Like I want them. I, I was I, like, this, last night was huge. Yeah, I, I, Phoenix won. Arizona rather. Arizona is. Which imagine the Canucks are tied in points. It's brilliant with the Arizona Coyotes. A record-setting night, by the way, for the Coyotes. Uh, it is also pathetic that the Canucks are tied. That's the word with the Arizona Coyotes, <laughs> considering the expectations that both teams came into with this season, which mm-hmm. were wildly different. Um, Hey, listen, I, I want them to improve their draft lottery odds, but I still find myself talking about what's it going to look like next season or the season after that or what are they going to do in the offseason because I hate watching this stuff. Yes. I, I hate watching this hockey, 
and um, it, it it won't change. Like if they get Connor Bedard, it's it's going to be awesome. Like I will celebrate. I'll party in the streets. But then I'll be like, okay, well they've still got to fix a bunch of stuff. They'll still right? get scored on a lot. Connor McDavid did not immediately turn around the Edmonton Oilers, and the Edmonton Oilers still have issues like they they lost to Detroit last night and a lot of it was structurally related you are not going to go anywhere in the NHL I don't care who your forwards are without a good defense a good defensive system and good defensive players that can go out there and kill the odd penalty yeah I I understand the sentiment but I'm this is my my credo for the year is that this was a wasted year there was a complete waste of, of unless they get Bedard, and then it wasn't wasted because they but got that, Bedard. But that's not that's that's failing upwards. Like I get that that's how the system oh, that's is supposed. How we got this show? I, I, it's true. <laughs> you know, sometimes it works. But I, I, it's a, it's very difficult for me to hang my hat on. Ah, we managed to stink so bad that we got a generational talent. When you went into the year with your head coach saying it would be a disaster. If you didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, but it wouldn't be a disaster after all. But it's a waste of Still year. embarrassing. It's a Still waste embarrassing of year. The embarrassing year, but I, I would disagree that it's a wasted year if they get Bedard. But, of course, the odds are still stacked against no, them. Yeah, for a lottery ticket. I yes. mean, everyone's like, oh, the, you know, you lose and you get Bedard. I'm like, you don't, though. I absolutely you agree lose with you. and you get a lottery ticket. I absolutely agree with you 100%. If they don't get Bedard, it is a wasted season. If they do, so, <laughs> if they do somehow season. get him, though... I wouldn't say it's wasted. The sole purpose of doing this is to try and win. Of course. In the, get to the playoffs, then win rounds in playoffs, and win a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. They got so far away from that that halfway through the year, they're in the same position as the Arizona Coyotes, who were not only <laughs> designed to be one of the worst teams in the NHL, they started winning, and then they sat down guys that were helping them win. They're like, Chikrin, too good, sit down. Connor Ingram had 47 saves in that game last night. NHL Blake. record. They had a double shutout, shutout, right? Laddie, you must have just been like rock hard about that. I must have <laughs> been the most exciting. I'm sad I didn't wow. sit there and watch. <laughs> anyway. That's a great way to describe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking, I have to sit down. Speaking of goaltending, we got a text in here. We are between a rock and a hard place. Demko plays unreal. We get out of the bottom five. If he plays lousy, we don't get a good return for him. Oh, the return could also be that. He returns to the Canucks next season and plays better and goes on to play well. Um, it is actually I, – I, I, I had that question in our prep notes yesterday discuss do we want Demko to play well for the rest of the season because his return is nearing. He's gonna back Sounds up like Saturday. he's going to back up on Saturday and then he could be in the lineup Tuesday in Nashville, I think, would be the game. At any rate, the, the Canucks still have quite a few games left, and that's going to decide where they are in the draft lottery. And I was sitting there going, like, I want Demko to come back and play better, you know, just in case the you know his just just to up his asset value, and 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 whether that's the asset value on the trade market, I know he hasn't asked out, but you know, I think everything's going to be on the table this off season for the Canucks. Or his asset value just to the Canucks as one of their few really good players. Yep. Right. I, I, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I want out of that. He could play well, and the Canucks could still lose. I can fully see that happening. Mm-hmm. But that—that's yeah. what's the problem with the current situation is that there's an inherent understanding that the reason that they're losing with great frequency, and the reason last night happened, was because Arthur Silovs was in that. I mean, he wasn't. He tried his best. Right, but how many of those goals probably shouldn't have gone in? There was a bit of Jad one for sure, right? Where he just got opened up like it was a can opener. Well, that was that was clearly the speed not being right. aware of it and the the shiftiness of an NHL, the patience of an NHL shooter that you don't get until you go to the NHL. So and, but, I, even then, I don't. I'm not going to pin that on him. You you put a young kid in that position. Yeah, right? but that's not the that's put what a I'm lot saying. of goalies down. The, yeah, down, and, yeah. And you put yeah. him coming up, flying that, down the wing. But that's what I'm saying. I also could have seen that goal scored on Spencer Martin with regularity yeah. and Colin Delia. The mm-hmm. difference is going to be. Yeah, my reaction that. was like, "Wow, well, he came pretty close to saving that." Yeah, yeah, he tried. He tried his best. <laughs> he was out there trying. But when you look at it, you're saying, "Okay, what happens if Demko comes back and plays at a Demko level?" Uh, a silver lining might be you could actually see if Tockett's system works behind a competent NHL goalie, so there's something to take away from this otherwise wasted season. And you could say, okay, moving forward, 
we know what we've got there. And there, I mean, in net. Because really, you've got, I don't know, five or six pieces moving forward that I think you could definitively pencil into the lineup. Not because of their contractual anchorness, Mm -hmm. but because talk, it's probably like, that's a guy that I can win with, or at the very least, that's a guy I can play with. The rest of it is all really up for grabs. Like, that blue line could and should look fundamentally different moving forward next year if they are really true about major surgery and trying to get back on a competitive track because it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And the forward group, by and large, at times, and I don't want to say isn't good enough, but it's not not comprised of the right pieces, clearly. Not even close. The the mix is way off. When Tockett is saying, like, you know, we don't have the right guys to kill penalties, essentially, because he doesn't want his top guys doing it, Mm -hmm. and the bottom guys don't do a good job of it, and when he's saying that they have to groom Pod Colson into being a, one of the rare north-south forwards on the team, that's him saying, this team was constructed in the wrong way. Not in the way that I can win hockey games or the way you want me to win hockey games. And so, the dance continues. They've got another chance at it Saturday against the Flyers. Uh, we'll come back from break here, take a quick timeout. We can continue this conversation. Uh, we can get into a bunch of the stories from around the NHL last night. There were some pretty interesting stories. That wild card chase in the West might come down to who sucks less. Because Calgary isn't very good, mm. and Minnesota isn't very good either right now. They're losing games left and right, both teams. Do you consider Nashville still part of the conversation there? I guess I have to because Calgary and Minnesota won't finish them. Mm-hmm. Like Nashville isn't like lighting the world on fire, but they're kind of hanging around that five, four points out I, window. I, I kept the receipts on my conversation with Wish preseason when he pretty much wrote in the Nashville Predators to a playoff spot. Hell, he might be right now. Wouldn't keep those receipts anywhere clear, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Like yeah. They're not in it, but they're also not out of it. So uh, we can dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. 650-650 if you want to get a hold of us at the show. Uh, as Andy mentioned off the top, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Flyers. A Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada at Rogers Arena. Uh, the pair of tickets will go to the best what we learned. Uh, text to 650-650, hashtag it, WWL, and throw a ticket emoji in there so you can be entered into the grand prize draw. Uh, a whole bunch more sports talk coming up. It's what you love to hear. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Breaking down the biggest trends in hockey. The Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the goalies that are going to their battle, and they're trying. I mean, it's, you know, you got, we have a guy here that's battling, and we have another guy that's, you know, is a Vesna Trophy winner, you know, like, I mean, I don't know what more you want from those. They're trying, you know, and our guy will be coming back soon. And he, he's one of the top goalies, so I mean, that, that will help. But, um, yeah, you just got to make sure guys don't get deflated, you know, if, if goals are going in and stuff like that. That's good. But like I said, the energy level is really hard. You know, like I said, they, they worked hard tonight. I'm proud of the, our team tonight. 6.34 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Very foreboding music here. It's talking about goalies not doing well, so it's sad. He said they were trying. They're trying. They are trying. Halford and Bruff in the morning. You're listening to it. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, that clip you heard coming back from break, that was Canucks head coach Rick Tockett discussing the goaltending situation overall for the Vancouver Canucks. So big picture, it's not great. That at the 55-game mark, the Canucks are starting their fourth-string netminder, a 21-year-old, 22-year-old Latvian, who was the sixth overall pick just a little while ago. That only really started to become the number one guy in the American League this year. Well, you're ripping on the music coming in, but I think the— I just said it was foreboding. The tags that describe that song kind of sum up the Canucks goaltending. Tell me. Gloomy, tragic— Concerned. Concerned. I think that sums it up right there. There is concern, unless you're Rick Tockett. He's like, this is working just fine. Um, You know, it's interesting because a lot of people are looking at this and saying, how do you qualify what's happening? Like, can you, you know, it's like, do you blame the skaters because they're not providing insulation for the goalie? Or do you blame the goalie because he's not making NHL caliber saves? And the answer to both of those questions is yes, you blame them. Good old Drancer, you know, for all the heat he takes in this market, I often find him very insightful, sometimes a little verbose, but very insightful. 
when it comes to this. So he framed it as the goaltending currently is il- illuminating, shining a spotlight on the system and the players and the structure in front of them. That, yes, they should be required to make more saves, but the fact that they're being asked to do whatever it is that they're being asked to do, mm-hmm. and oftentimes that is make saves while your defenders and forwards aren't protecting the guts of the ice. This all shines a spotlight on the core problem with this team, and it's that they don't defend well enough at all. Yeah. The goalie doesn't defend well enough, the defensemen don't defend well enough, and the forwards don't Demko was well making enough. those saves, though, previously, and kind of fooled people into thinking this team had some sort of talent. Yeah, yeah. Demko did the opposite okay. of what's happening yeah. this season, last season. Yeah. Bruce, that's, there it is. But that was I, Demko. See, the thing I keep coming back to is I don't think it fooled management. And you know why? Because they kept on saying (laughs) that we've got this world-class goalie that's keeping us in games or helping Mm -hmm. us win games. The insinuation was this team isn't good enough. And so when they first came in here and said that, I thought, okay, well, they're going to make major changes then. And they didn't. In fact, they kind of added to the problems. And they committed long-term to JT Miller. They bring in Mikheyev. Um... And not that the Canucks didn't need players like Mikheyev and Curtis Lazar. They did need better defensive forwards. Mm -hmm. Now, Mikheyev got unlucky. He had an injury. I think his speed was badly affected by that injury. And he wasn't, even though he was effective, like I don't think anyone thought he was bad or anything like that, but he certainly didn't help the PK, and neither is Curtis Lazar. Um, For me, though, I, 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 I know people get frustrated talking about this, but... I just keep coming back to the JT Miller contract extension because if they hadn't done that, I think it would have completely changed my perception of this management group. They have made so many moves around the edges, but heading into the season, when they made that commitment, I was like, okay, you're committing to a player that is a good player, yes, Mm-hmm. Like he's like people think that I don't think he's a good player. He's a good player. He nearly had a hundred points last season. Good players do that. But I think where the conversation sometimes falls apart is the reason I had so much of a problem with that contract is because it doesn't match up with the Canucks window. I don't personally believe that they can be a good team in the next few years. Watch this team play. Look at its contracts on Cap Friendly, and you tell me how it's going to be a good team in the next few years. So let's say that plays out, and the Canucks aren't a good team over the next few years, right? Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but let's say, let's say it plays out, and the Canucks are not a good team over the next few years. How does JT Miller look then? when he's 32 and he's got four or five years still left on his contract. See, um, with for me, uh, I, I agree with parts, conceptually what you're talking about with Miller. I have the same issues with bringing back Boudreaux. As a matter of fact, I might have even have more because when I keep harping on a wasted year, and I know this isn't how it played out, but bear with me, I feel like this management group said... He's earned the right to come back. We begrudgingly acknowledge that. So what we'll do is just let this situation play out until he's earned the way to to be fired. And that means losing a lot of games. Like, that's almost how it felt like it played out. Because really, and, and then they also aided that by saying, we're going to undercut him publicly at every chance that we get this season. And then finally, we could get to the point where it was, Socially acceptable, or his fan acceptable, or maybe ownership acceptable to fire Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, it was not socially acceptable at the time and the way they did it. And then they did it in a very socially unacceptable way. But it would just... So the, I, I, dis- this- I, I disagree with your, your initial take on that. They felt he deserved to come back. I don't know. They just they basically. I thought they were. I think they were scared to fire him. Yeah. That, okay. Whatever the case may can, be. Can you imagine if they had fired Bruce and brought in Rick Tockett? at the beginning of the season, and then Rick Tockett had the same results as he's having right yeah, now. Yeah, get, you get murdered be, in the be, court be, of public opinion. disaster. But at it's the same time, ta- yeah, but, that, but that's, that's public opinion. That, that is basically catering to a fan base that is really beloved, that loves the coach. Mm-hmm. There was obviously another dynamic at play with the contract and what they inherited sure. and how, for, you know, Aquilini hired 
he hired Boudreaux first. So there was that dynamic at play. But you're looking at it, and it's like all the stuff that Tockett's trying to implement now, grade school practices, you know, uh, you know, all the stuff that really should have been implemented in August and September and early October, it's now mid-February, and this season is just a waste. Mm-hmm. It's just a waste of a season. You've wasted a year of, if you have anyone on a good contract, you've wasted a year of good servitude. Well, affordable you're wa- servitude. You're wasting PD's cheap years. Yep. I mean, I, I mean his salary is considerable, mm-hmm. but it's going to get more considerable real soon. He's going to be making he's going to be making eleven twelve million bucks. Yeah. That's going to be his cap hit, and then it's going to be even harder for the Canucks to surround the team with players that can complement him. And the important thing to note is that the league does not stay stagnant while you waste time. I think that's very important to note. For everyone that's preaching patience, that's great. But understand that uh, they exist in a 32-team circuit where the teams at the bottom are most of them actively trying to get better. Not in a hurry, but in a way where they're going to stockpile picks and prospects to build that war chest quickly. Mm -hmm. That's the plan. Right, so when you're saying, well, you know, can the Canucks be competitive next year if they make some changes? But they're up against it, right? They are very much up against it in terms of cap, in terms of what's going to be available in free agency. The timing might not work out. The draft might not unfold the way that you think. I wonder if they'll actually get into the off season and change a few of the things that they said at the midseason press conference. And the takeaway I took away from the takeaway for me at that press conference was that back and forth that Jim Rutherford had with Drance when Rutherford asked him, well, "What do you think is a is a is a quick turnaround for this team?" And Drance said, "I don't know, three years." And Rutherford was like, "Oh yeah, like I hope we can turn it around in a year or two. That's that's what they're going right? to try to do, for no, sure." But but I actually my whole point in bringing up this conversation is I wonder if they're going to change that. I wonder if they're going to look at this team and go. The challenges are too big to turn this team around. This is this is um, this is not just a underperforming team. This is a bad team. Like this isn't just a team that's yeah they're just not getting it done. Watch this team play. I think they're trying out there. I think they're trying to play better defensively. I just don't think they have the personnel group. So you're 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 holding on to the hope that there'll be a let's just tear it back to the studs moment with like, Alvin and Rutherford. Other teams are tr- other teams are going to try and improve this offseason. People say, "Well, get a good defenseman. Get some good young defensemen. Get some good You know what? Not even young. <laughs> get some good defensemen." To which my reply is always, "How? <laughs> you're mm-hmm. either going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul, which is in that way trading Thatcher Demko, then you're going to have to replace him, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then if you get that good defenseman, first of all, is it enough to move the needle? We'll see. There, I think this is what Drance like gets at a lot, and then people push back just because it is so negative and it is so dire, but it might also be true. This team is so, so far away. They are so far away mm-hmm. in not only the the talent level at certain areas in the ice, the the amount of good players that you need, the culture of the group, the leadership of the group, they are a long, long way away. Mm-hmm. And for them to just turn it around is going to take a number of very, very good trades. Like the example, I guess, would be Colorado, right? They yep. turned that around with a number of really good trades that help, helped their blue line, bringing in Devon Taves, and then also getting very lucky in the draft mm-hmm. uh, in finding Kale McCarr. You know how they draft. were able to get Taves, though, if I can add? They had cap space. The Islanders didn't. They yep. needed to get rid of Taze and yeah. they... two second round picks. They had a little bit of draft capital to Canucks flip around. Canucks can't do that. Like I, draft, I, no I, cap space. I, I come back to. It, and I'm sorry if I'm ruining your morning. I, I know, I'm. I'm not trying to be super, super like. It I'm is just a day trying that to ends and why. I'm just. I'm just trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to throw out the challenges that the Canucks have. They are the big three of bad right now. Number one, bad hockey team. 
on the ice. Watch them. Number two, their prospect pool has, doesn't have much. They really don't. I think we're all uh, optimistic that Ratu can come in and help, and we're all optimistic that they've got two first-round draft picks, but there really isn't much bubbling on the farm right now that is that is going to come in and like save this thing, especially on the blue line, right? There just isn't. And number three, as Laddie points out, they have cap issues. Those are the big three. Most teams out there have aren't don't have the big three, right? If you're looking at the um, Montreal Canadiens or the Arizona Coyotes or Columbus or or these teams that the Canucks are now in the like they're they're among these teams in the standings. Mm-hmm. You look at Anaheim, like Anaheim is terrible. Anaheim is worse than Vancouver, mm-hmm. but they're flexible and got some really good young players in their system. Yeah, and. I, that there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to enter that conversation, specifically the ones at the bottom. They're all chasing the same thing, which is race to the bottom, stockpile, pick some prospects, and then work your way back up. It's the circle of life in the National Hockey League, really. Uh, speaking of the National Hockey League, we do need to talk about a few of these out-of-town scorers from yesterday. Um, the, the, the interesting one, of course, and we mentioned this off the top, was that the Coyotes, who again – designed to be bad, uh, do you know that they're unbeaten in seven? They are ruining everything that Bill Armstrong is trying to do as general manager. There. Clayton Keller actually had a crack after the game yesterday. He's like, yeah, we keep getting results. We've been on a heater since the All-Star break. I bet our GM hates this. Like, <laughs> he was, and it's true. So last night, they go out and, I mean, on the ice, they did everything they were supposed to do. They got thoroughly outplayed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. But Connor Ingram, Andy, you remember Connor Ingram, don't you? Huh? Huh? Yes, I do. He was in Kamloops when you were there? Yes, he was. That's right. Connor Ingram made 47 saves. Uh, that was his first ever NHL shutout. So he takes care of the Tampa Bay in, in the rare double shutout, Laddie. Again, not just a guy like you like to tell me that goalies are. He was a third-round pick. Oh, okay. And he's had some ups and downs in his career. But yes. Tampa Bay drafted him? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Tampa Bay. He's bounced around a couple right. different... He went to Nashville for a little while, got mm-hmm. some playing time there. He's a good goalie. He's a... You know, he's got the highs are high with Connor Ingram and the lows can be kind of low, but man, the highs were high yesterday. 47 saves. So is, this is, is the, everyone in the league called Connor. Yeah, there's a lot of Connors. Like <laughs> Connor Ingram last night. Connor Timmons played for the Leafs. He came in for Justin Hall. I'm uh, sorry, is that Connor Hall? And then we've, we've got Connor uh, Garland who scored a goal last night. That's Connor. And, One end. Right. Connor. I am Connor. <laughs> Everyone's called Connor. Yes, there are a lot of Connors in the end. They got away from the Bradens and Jadens, and now it's all Connors. Um, so that was one score of note last night. I mentioned that that wild card race in the West is turning into like a suckathon. Like, who's going to suck worse? And right now it's between Calgary and the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild lost again last night. has five losses in their last six. They're going to be a really fascinating team now because they're designed to be a playoff team. They're one of those teams where you look at them and you say, I think they might be a better playoff team. I think they might have a roster built more for the playoffs than for the regular season. You know those teams? Mm-hmm. And the Minnesota Wild have seemingly had one for a while now. But they're not going to get there if they keep playing hockey the way that they're playing hockey. The only saving grace might be that Calgary is also sputtering their way to a wild card. It's almost a shame, to be honest, when you look – at the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference and the disparity right now, because do you have the Eastern Conference standings in front of you? Mm -hmm. There are going to be, I think it's three of the top six teams in the NHL in terms of points percentage that could be out of the playoffs in the first round because the East is so stacked. The two, three matchups in the East, it's going to be New Jersey probably versus the Rangers. Yep. Those are really two really good teams, and then we all know about Toronto and Tampa Bay probably matching up mm-hmm. in the other two three matchup in the uh, in the West. It's a lot different. I mean, Winnipeg, Colorado is a good matchup, but Colorado has struggled for a lot of this season, mm-hmm. and they've still got injury issues there. L.A. and Seattle would be the matchup out of the Pacific Division. L.A. and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Like, I still wonder if those teams are going to make the playoffs. I, honestly, like, no, I, I put, I, I, I put, I think Edmonton is um, going to make it fairly comfortably. I think. 
We all know the Oilers have a way of. They lost last uh, night, but yeah, I think they're going to make I, it too. I, I do. I watch LA and Seattle play, and I'm like, yeah, they're they're pretty good teams. I mean, they're better than the Canucks, but that's a low bar. I still think that Calgary is more likely to make the playoffs than Minnesota, just because I think overall that team is better, mm-hmm. and I think they're probably just going to accept we got to go with Vladar here. Like we've we we can't sure. we can't put Marky in too much. I just, I think overall, if you look at them analytically, they're controlling play more often than not. Mm-hmm. So I think they will get in there, but I just look at I look at the path that a team would have to take in order to get the Stanley Cup to get to the Stanley Cup final out of the East, and then I compare it in the West. Like look at what the Oilers could theoretically have. Let's say the Oilers catch Seattle for mm-hmm. the final for third spot in the Pacific. Yeah, they would have LA in the first round. Who they beat last year? LA is beatable. Conference final. Yeah, LA's got a minus one goal differential this season. Their goaltending is not trustworthy whatsoever. Then they might get Vegas, and I don't know what's going on with Vegas. Like they've got injury issues. Logan Thompson is Mark Stone going to even be ready? Mark Stone will not be ready for to return for the playoffs. At the very least, he's not going to be a hundred percent. And then if they get through there, um, now they might have a Colorado team that is more full strength than it has been for much of the season. They might have Dallas or Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. But I don't think any of those teams compare to Carolina or Boston. No. The top, the top six teams in the NHL right now mm-hmm. are all from the East. The West feels like, we understand like this, right? the, the West to me feels like the NFC did for much of the year where you're kind of looking at teams and going like, yeah, like, you know, San Francisco's must feel like this is a massive opportunity for them. Or, or uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I know we don't really trust Dak, but mm-hmm. what a great opportunity for them. Minnesota in was, this. Minnesota Minnesota was, Minnesota was in that mix. Yeah. yeah, Minnesota was Minnesota mm-hmm. of, of the Although NHL. Although the, you know, the like, Eagles eventually did emerge as like the class of the, the NFC, yes, right? they Yes, they did. And maybe the Colorado is the Eagles of, of the Western Conference, and, and they'll ultimately yeah. prove that. I just look at these teams in the West, and I think if you're if you're Edmonton or even if you're Calgary um, or LA, you're like, man, this is like we can make a run here. And I, I wonder how mu- how much that's going to affect the trade deadline well, in, will, in the West. It might seriously be like win and anything can happen. I will or, say, sorry, get in and anything I, can I will happen. say this as we talk about the team that has the great record that we're not sure of. I mean, that's Dallas, right? Can we all agree? Like, no one is talking about the fact that Dallas is the best team in the Western Conference right now, record and points-wise. Nobody. And part of it is because it's the Dallas Stars, mm-hmm. and they're kind of this team that you, you know, whatever. They were Stanley Cup finalists in the bubble. I don't think I should be taken away from the group. So they've obviously got the potential to play good hockey at times in the postseason, even though the bubble was its own thing. I think the, the important thing here is... Plus 41 goal differential. That's yeah, really good. Yeah, and they are... the. I, can't, I don't know how else to say it other than they're the best team in the West right now. But if you were to ask a room, like go around the room right now. If you were to pick right now, we're game 55 in the regular season. What team would you say is the favorite to get out of the Western Conference? Just gut reaction. Who would it be? A-Dog, who would it be? Say a word. It has to be a hockey team in the NHL. The Vancouver Canucks. That's the wrong answer. That's it. You, you failed. The Jets because of Hellebuck? You think it's the Jets? Maybe. But isn't Ottinger just as good as Hellebuck this year? He's this having a year. Game. Yeah. I'm, you know, playoff time is a little different. I think the point, the, the, the point too, that Halford actually. is trying to make is a lot of people would yeah. pick Colorado. Yeah. No, and Andy really? said Andy said Vancouver, which is an interesting <laughs> choice. But if I was to pick right now, I would pick Colorado, and then I'd probably take Edmonton. I'm not even joking mm-hmm. because I just what's think- wrong with you. Just because of the high end talent, what do you, mean, what you take Edmonton in the playoffs? Yeah, I picked the two teams that went to the Western Conference Final last year. I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like that crazy. They have Jack that. Campbell as their goalie now. Yeah, I know. Who did they have last attention. year as their goalie <laughs> yeah. when they went to the Western Conference Final? That's what I, I and that's just de facto. I'm taking the defending Stanley Cup champion, mm-hmm. and I'm taking the team with the best player in the NHL. End of conversation. I'm not taking Dallas, even though logically, I probably should. Well, Laddie, Lad- they, they, they tick all the boxes. Who right? would you take, uh, Seattle or Edmonton, in a series? Oh man, probably Edmonton. I just probably. think. Who would you the, take, Seattle or LA, in a series? Probably Seattle. I don't think I, I don't have a lot of. Confidence what about in Edmonton LA. or LA? Edmonton. Or so LA. you take Edmonton. So you take Edmonton over Seattle. You take Edmonton over LA. Yep. Would you take Edmonton over Vegas? 
Because if you did, they're in the they're in the conference final. Then. Is your no? Point, I, is your I, point don't, I don't think I would have them over sucks? Vegas. Is that your point? Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah. Okay, here, again, I want to point. Yeah, I there's a point huge that, opportunity for these teams. I yeah. want to point this out that of the top six teams in the NHL right now, two of them are going to be gone in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Like I don't think people really understand this. Like if Tampa Bay and Toronto play in the first round, that's the fourth and the fifth best team in the NHL on points. If the Rangers and Jersey play each other. That's the third and the sixth best team. So two of the top six teams, like we're going around and we're saying yeah. the Rangers come in last night. Mm-hmm. They look like an elite team in the NHL. They look like a cup contender. If they have one or two bad games in the first round, they're out. They lose to New Jersey. That's mm-hmm. it. That's how simple this is. As opposed to the West, where we're talking about can Phoenix Copley get the Kings out of the first round? <laughs> or you know Dan Vladar yeah. or Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer going Enough back with and the forth. goalie slander, okay, guys? I'm just saying. You understand the larger point at hand here, right? It's going to be – there's going to be a team potentially from the West that's going to benefit from a weak field. And the, you know what this does, actually, is this leads credence to the you just got to get in sometimes crowd. Sometimes. sometimes. Well, how does it affect the deadline to the Western teams now that you mentioned? Yeah, that? that's what I brought up yeah. earlier. Yeah. Like, how does this affect them? You, because you must look, sit if, there and go, yeah. this, we got an opportunity here. Let's do this. If you're looking at the landscape, and I know everyone wants to talk about, oh, Toronto's the most fascinating team going into the deadline. That's wrong. Because Toronto is up against it. Like Toronto could lose in the first round, unfortunately, but also fortunately, but justifiably this year. They're going to be taking on a dynasty team mm-hmm. in the in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like there's no shame in losing to them. That's just the way that the cookie crumbles in the playoffs. If you're in the West and you're in the spots 4 through 8, you're looking at it and you're like this thing's wide open. Who are we ultimately scared of here? Why not throw our chips in and have a go at it? Mm-hmm. That's the dynamic between the East and the West right now. Uh, coming up in the 7 o'clock hour as we move along here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, uh, we're going to start to talk to some guests. It's baseball time here. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, it's mid-February, but it's warm in Dunedin, and the Jays are getting ramped up for what's going to be a big season. They got a, a new-look outfield, some crazy walls out there. George Springer's played in a weird outfield before. We, you know, See how he'll deal with that. We're going to talk to Shai Davidi about jumbo bases, weird walls, and Canada at the uh, World Baseball Classic. We've got a lot to get into in the 7 o'clock hour. We're also going to talk to Brendan Batchelor at 7.30. Frank Saravalli for news notes and rumblings around the trade deadline in the 8 o'clock hour. And then at 8.30, we're going to give away some tickets for the Canucks-Flyers game on Saturday. So it's a big show. Don't go anywhere. Keep engaging. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650.